Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to this edition of the Dad Jokes Explained episode. My name is Graham Plass and I'm the producer of the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Each week we examine a set of dad jokes and explain what makes them so funny. Our aim is to arm you with information on delivering your own dad jokes to your friends and family so you can further spread the laughs and groans. Let's get to it. When I came home from work, my wife said, Uck, the baby has been crying for hours. Can you take over? I said sure, and started crying for hours. <laughs> the humor in this joke is derived from the clever play on words, specifically the ambiguity of the phrase takeover. In its original context, when the wife asks her husband to take over, she's asking him to take charge or responsibility for calming their crying baby. However, instead of interpreting it as such, which would be considered a common understanding, he intentionally misconstrues her request and takes it quite literally. He assumes his role should be mimicking what has been happening before he arrived home, that being a crying for hours. So rather than soothing their child like his wife intended, he starts crying himself. This unexpected twist creates an element of surprise and absurdity which results in laughter because we naturally expect people, especially adults, to behave logically but here we have a situation where an adult behaves more like a baby. Moreover, there's also some self-deprecating humor involved as well, the dad is essentially equating himself with a fussy infant who can't stop wailing. This type of humor often resonates with parents who are all too familiar with how exhausting, and sometimes ridiculous, childcare can get. Guys, I'm worried. My HR rep at work wants me to sign up for the company's 401k. There's no way I can run that far. (laughs) The humor in this joke is derived from the intentional misinterpretation of the term 401k. In a professional context, 401k refers to a retirement savings plan sponsored by an employer. It allows workers to save and invest part of their paycheck before taxes are taken out. However, in this joke, the speaker pretends to confuse it with a long-distance race, specifically one that's 401 kilometers long, which would indeed be quite daunting. This play on words hinges on the double meaning of a K, which can stand for both a kilometer and a thousand, as used in financial terms. This type of humor is often referred to as punning or wordplay. It relies heavily on language proficiency and cultural knowledge, making it universally funny yet intellectually stimulating at times. Furthermore, there's an element of exaggeration involved. The idea that someone could mistake such common workplace jargon for something completely unrelated adds another layer comedic absurdity. This also subtly mocks corporate culture and its sometimes confusing lingo, resonating with anyone who has ever felt overwhelmed by office bureaucracy. Lastly, self-deprecation plays into this joke too. The speaker implies they're not exactly fit enough or willing enough to run what they believe is 401 kilometers. My friend asked me if I had ever tried blindfolded archery. I replied that I hadn't. He said it's great. You don't know what you're missing. (laughs) 
The humor in this joke is based on a pun, specifically the double entendre of the phrase, you don't know what you're missing. Usually, this phrase implies that someone is unaware of how enjoyable or beneficial an experience could be. In the context of trying blindfolded archery, it would suggest that one isn't aware of how much fun they might have. However, due to its placement within this joke and considering that it's about blindfolded archery, where accuracy would logically be compromised, there's a second interpretation. The person literally doesn't know what they are missing when shooting arrows while blindfolded. This clever twist gives us two meanings for one sentence depending on whether we interpret it figuratively or literally. This ambiguity creates comedic surprise because instead of encouraging participation in an activity, as we initially expect, the punchline suggests potential failure, thus subverting our expectations. Additionally, there's irony involved here as well. Despite being presented as a great, attempting to do archery without sight seems like a recipe for disaster rather than enjoyment. Finally, absurdity plays into making us laugh too, imagining someone blindly shooting arrows and not knowing where they land paints quite an amusingly chaotic picture. My girlfriend asked me to do her hair like a Rastafarian. I'm dreading it. The humor in this joke stems from a pun involving the term dreading. In one sense, dreading refers to feeling apprehensive or fearful about something. So when the speaker says he's a dreading at his girlfriend's request, it initially seems like he is expressing anxiety about doing her hair. However, there's also a second meaning of a dread that comes into play here. Rastafarian hairstyles are often characterized by dreadlocks, commonly referred to as a dreads. As such, saying he is a dreadinger, it can be interpreted as him preparing himself for creating dreadlocks on his girlfriend's hair. This double entendre creates an unexpected and humorous twist because instead of expressing reluctance, as we first assume, the punchline reveals that he might actually be getting ready for giving her dreads, which completely changes our understanding of what was said before. Furthermore, there's an element of surprise involved too. We don't usually expect someone to use language so creatively while talking about everyday tasks like hairstyling. This adds another layer comedic absurdity making us chuckle at how mundane activities can turn into clever wordplay opportunities. Lastly this joke subtly plays with gender stereotypes too. The idea that a boyfriend would feel anxious over doing their partner's hair might seem relatable and amusingly incongruous given traditional expectations around men being less invested in hairstyling. I really hate One Direction fans. Oscillating fans cool the room way better. The humor in this joke comes from the unexpected shift in context and the deliberate confusion of two very different types of fans. When we first read One Direction fans, our minds immediately go to supporters of the popular boy band, One Direction. However, as we continue reading, it becomes clear that the speaker is not talking about music enthusiasts at all but rather about a type of fan used for cooling. One Direction fans are thus cleverly reinterpreted as fans which blow air only one way, in one direction, compared with oscillating fans which rotate and distribute air more evenly around a room, hence providing better cooling. This joke makes use of what's called a garden path sentence, where initial interpretation leads us down an incorrect path, thinking about admirers, before abruptly switching to another meaning entirely, an appliance. This sudden cognitive switcheroo provides surprise element causing laughter due to its absurdity. We don't usually compare people with household objects. Moreover, there's also some satire involved here, by expressing dislike for a one-directional or devices over something seemingly trivial like airflow distribution can be seen as gently mocking obsessive fan culture or even consumer preferences. 
Finally, this quick plays on our shared cultural knowledge too. Both One Direction and Oscillating fans are widely recognized entities making it universally relatable yet subtly clever because you need to know what these terms refer to understand punchline. Why did the astronaut break up with his girlfriend? He just needed space. <laughs> the humor in this joke arises from the double meaning of the word space. In a relationship context, when someone says they need a space, it typically means that they want some distance or time apart from their partner. This is often due to feeling overwhelmed or needing clarity about their feelings. However, within the narrative of this joke where an astronaut is involved, needing space takes on a literal interpretation referring to outer space, which astronauts are professionally associated with. This pun creates an amusing twist because instead of implying emotional distancing, which we initially anticipate, he's actually expressing his professional desire for cosmic exploration. Moreover, there's also situational irony at play. The very thing that makes him unique and interesting, being an astronaut, becomes reason for ending his relationship, contrary to what one might expect. Additionally, absurdity adds another layer comedic effect. Imagining someone breaking up over such a literal interpretation paints quite hilariously bizarre picture. Finally, there's also element gentle social commentary here too. It subtly pokes fun at cliched breakup lines by taking them literally rather than figuratively, thus highlighting how sometimes our language can be unintentionally funny when viewed through different lenses. Vegetarians think eating animals is immoral, but eating mushrooms is morale. <laughs> the humor in this joke is based on a pun using the homophones "moral" and "morale." In the first part of the joke, it references vegetarians who consider eating animals to be immoral, meaning unethical or wrong. This sets us up for an expectation that there will be a contrasting viewpoint presented about what is considered immoral when it comes to dietary choices. However, instead of continuing with philosophical or ethical debate as one might expect after such setup, the punchline veers off into wordplay territory by introducing a morales. Morales are a type of edible fungi, like mushrooms, which sound exactly like immoral when pronounced. This unexpected linguistic twist creates comedic surprise because we're anticipating some sort of moral argument, but get served with mushroom trivia instead. Additionally, there's also an element clever misdirection involved. By starting out serious tone, then abruptly switching light-hearted pun makes whole situation seem absurdly amusing, especially if you imagine someone saying this during heated discussion about vegetarianism. Moreover, irony plays role, making us laugh too. While vegetarians avoid meat due perceived immorality associated killing animals, according them, same logic should make consuming morals immoral. Well, finally, underlying all these layers, humor, subtle social satire. It gently pokes fun at how sometimes our food preferences can become overly complicated, tangled webs, ethics, personal beliefs, even though end day they're just that preferences. My Eskimo uncle and his wife just bought a new igloo. They don't want a housewarming party. The humor in this joke is derived from a pun on the term "housewarming party." Typically, a housewarming party is a gathering to celebrate someone's move into a new residence. It's an opportunity for friends and family members to visit, bring gifts, and offer good wishes. However, when applied to Eskimos who live in igloos, structures made of snow, the idea of a warming their new home takes on an entirely different meaning. If you were literally to warm up an igloo, for instance, by raising temperature inside, it would melt due to its construction material being snow. This play on words creates comedic surprise because instead of envisioning traditional celebration, as we initially expect, we're suddenly confronted with image melting ice house, which would cause displacement rather than joyous occasion. 
Moreover, there's also situational irony involved, the very act that should symbolize goodwill and happiness, hosting a housewarming event, could potentially lead disaster if taken literally context Eskimo living conditions. Another layer humor comes from absurdity implied scenario, imagining someone trying host such party without causing structural damage paints hilariously challenging picture. Lastly, there's element cultural sadai here too, by using tropes associated with Western housing customs with an Arctic setting highlights how sometimes our societal norms can seem out place or even detrimental when transposed onto different cultures or environments. In my attempts to weigh a rainbow I discovered one thing. It's pretty light. (laughs) The humor in this joke comes from a pun involving the word light. In its primary sense, light refers to electromagnetic radiation that allows us to see. A rainbow is formed when sunlight, which is white light, gets refracted or bent by raindrops, dispersing into different colors, an event we perceive as a beautiful multicolored arc however. There's another meaning of a light at play here which pertains to weight, specifically indicating something that doesn't weigh much. When the speaker says they found out a rainbow was a pretty light, it creates an amusing twist because instead of referring back to its optical properties, as one might initially assume, they are actually commenting on how it supposedly doesn't weigh much. This unexpected switch between two completely unrelated interpretations adds element comedic surprise making us chuckle at cleverness involved while also appreciating absurdity situation. After all trying physically measure something ephemeral like rainbows seems nonsensical begin with. Now for a quick break. Stay tuned for more dad joke explanations. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. 
My wife got sick and was coughing all night, keeping us both awake. She asked me to go to the pharmacy to get something to help. I scored some cheap ear plugs and slept just fine after that. <laughs> the humor in this joke stems from the unexpected solution that the husband comes up with to address his wife's sickness. When his wife asks him to get something from the pharmacy, we naturally assume she wants him to fetch medicine or cough syrup, items typically associated with alleviating symptoms of illness. However, he mischievously subverts our expectations by getting ear plugs instead. This is amusing because it doesn't solve her problem at all, rather it helps him avoid being disturbed by her coughing, a selfish yet clever twist. This surprise element creates laughter as we're led down one path, expecting empathy and care, only for the punchline to take us on an entirely different route, self-preservation. It essentially turns a common situation into an absurdly humorous scenario. Moreover, there's also situational irony involved here. His action seems counterintuitive since helping your partner recover would logically lead towards better sleep for both parties, but he ups for immediate personal relief instead. Finally, there's underlying social commentary too. It subtly mocks stereotypical marital dynamics where men are often portrayed as less nurturing or considerate than their female counterparts when dealing with health issues. I bought a 12-year-old whiskey. His mum was pissed. The humor in this joke is based on the ambiguity of the phrase 12-year-old whiskey. Typically, when we hear 12-year-old whiskey, it refers to a type of whiskey that has been aged for 12 years. This aging process often enhances its flavor and value, making it a sought-after commodity among connoisseurs. However, in this joke's context, a 12-year-old is cleverly reframed as referring to an underage person who has been bought alcohol, specifically whiskey. The punchline thus subverts our initial understanding by introducing an entirely different interpretation which involves illegal activity, i.e., giving alcohol to minors. This unexpected shift creates comedic surprise because instead of discussing liquor quality or taste preferences, which would be normal given introduction, we end up imagining scenario involving parental anger over irresponsible behavior. Furthermore, there's intentional misdirection at play by starting with what seems like typical adult conversation about alcoholic beverages that abruptly switching juvenile mischief makes entire situations seem absurdly amusing, especially if you imagine someone saying this during sophisticated gathering. Moreover, there's also situational irony involved here. Despite buying something generally considered high quality and refined, an aged whiskey, action leads quite unrefined outcome namely upsetting mother to inappropriate conduct. Lastly, underpinning all these layers humor subtle social critique, it gently pokes fun societal norms around drinking culture how sometimes our appreciation finer things life can lead us overlook potential consequences associated them. My wife told me to stop counting. But I didn't want to. <laughs> the humor in this joke comes from a pun on a phrase, I didn't want to. This is a common expression used when someone doesn't wish to do something. However, in this joke, it's cleverly reinterpreted as a sequence of numbers, 1-2, which sounds phonetically similar to a 1-2. When his wife asks him not count anymore, presumably because she finds it annoying or distracting, we expect that he would stop out of respect for her request. But instead, he continues counting but disguises it within his response creating an amusing twist. This unexpected defiance creates laughter due its surprise element, we're led believe that he would comply only have him sneakily continue with what was asked cease. It essentially turns simple conversation into playful act rebellion making us chuckle at audacity involved. Moreover there's also linguistic creativity at work here, 
By using homophones, words sound same but different meanings. Speaker managers cleverly incorporate counting into verbal response thus furthering jest despite being told stop. Finally, there's subtle commentary on interpersonal dynamics too. It highlights how sometimes people find ingenious ways circumvent rules or requests while technically still adhering them, especially within relationships where such behavior can be seen as endearingly cheeky rather than outright disobedient. What did one DNA say to the other DNA? Do these genes make me look fat? <laughs> the humor in this joke lies primarily in the pun involving the term genes. In genetics, DNA is a molecule that carries our genetic code and the genes are sections of this DNA which determine specific traits, like eye color or height. This scientific context sets up an expectation for some sort of biological discussion between two strands of DNA. However, there's also another meaning to a genes, which sounds exactly like a genes. Genes are a type of trousers often made from denim or corduroy. A common question asked by people trying on new jeans is whether they make them look fat, usually seeking reassurance about their appearance. In the punchline, we get an unexpected twist. Instead of discussing genetic information as anticipated from such setup, DNA talking, it veers off into fashion territory with one strand asking if these jeans or jeans make it look fat. This clever wordplay creates comedic surprise because we are prepared for something scientific but end up with vanity concerns instead. It essentially takes us down one path only to abruptly change direction, making us chuckle at how absurdly human-like behavior has been attributed to microscopic entities. Moreover, there's situational irony involved here too, despite being molecular structures without physical form or body image issues, as humans do, these DNAs appear concerned about looking overweight. Finally, this quip subtly comments on societal preoccupations as well. By using commonly heard phrase within context where it seems utterly outplace highlights sometimes excessive focus appearances even when dealing topics far removed personal aesthetics. I cried when my daughter gave me my 50th birthday card. One would have been enough. <laughs> the humor in this joke arises from the clever misinterpretation of the phrase 50th birthday card. Typically, when someone mentions a 50th birthday card, we understand it as a singular greeting card given on their 50th birthday. This initial assumption sets us up for an emotional moment where receiving such a milestone marker might make one tearful. However, the punchline unexpectedly reinterprets a 50th and not as indicating age but rather quantity, implying that his daughter gave him 50 separate cards. The father's crying is then amusingly reframed not as being moved by sentimentality but overwhelmed by sheer volume. This play on words creates comedic surprise because instead of witnessing heartfelt emotion, as initially expected, we're presented with an absurd scenario involving excessive number of cards, which seems both unnecessary and hilariously exhausting to go through. Moreover, there's situational irony at work here too. What should have been simple act celebration turns into something borderline ludicrous due sheer overkill involved. Additionally, this joke subtly pokes fun at our cultural practices. It highlights how sometimes our well-intentioned gestures can inadvertently become overwhelming or even counterproductive if taken to extremes. Finally, there's also element self-deprecating humor involved. By expressing distress over what most would consider thoughtful gesture dad portrays himself somewhat comically ungrateful or easily flustered character adding another layer amusement. I got arrested because I didn't want to sleep. Cops say I was resisting arrest. <laughs> The humor in this joke arises from the pun on the phrase, resisting arrest. In its original context, resisting arrest is a legal term used when someone attempts to avoid being detained by law enforcement. 
This sets up an expectation for some kind of criminal activity or confrontation with police. However, in this joke it's cleverly reinterpreted as a resisting arrest, implying that the speaker was simply refusing to take nap or go sleep, something far less serious than actual crime. This play on words creates comedic surprise because instead of hearing about illegal behavior, as initially anticipated, we're presented with scenario involving mere avoidance bedtime, which seems both harmless and amusingly trivial compared to what was suggested before. Moreover there's situational irony involved here too, despite doing nothing more than staying awake person ends being arrested, an outcome that seems disproportionately severe given benign nature their action. Additionally absurdity adds another layer laughter, imagining someone getting handcuffed for not wanting sleep pains quite hilariously exaggerated picture. Finally underlying all these layers humor is gentle social satire, it subtly pokes fun at how sometimes our actions can be misinterpreted leading unexpected consequences even within mundane contexts such as trying stay awake. I accidentally took my cat's medicine today. Don't ask me how. <laughs> the humor in this joke comes from the pun on the word meow, which is a sound frequently made by cats. The phrase, don't ask me out, sounds similar to a don't ask me how, a common expression used when someone doesn't want to elaborate on something they did, often because it's embarrassing or complicated. However, in this context, where cat medicine has been mistakenly ingested, meow is humorously substituted for a how. This creates an amusing twist as it implies that taking his cat's medicine might have caused him to start speaking like one. This unexpected linguistic switch adds element of comedic surprise making us chuckle at cleverness involved while also appreciating absurdity situation. After all imagining someone suddenly adopting feline speech patterns due medication mix-up seems quite far-fetched yet entertaining. Moreover there's situational irony here, despite being human, and presumably more capable than his pet, he ends up consuming animal medication, contrary what one would expect. Additionally there's gentle self-deprecation at play too, by admitting such blunder and even joking about potential side effects speaker portrays himself somewhat comically inept character adding another layer amusement. Finally underlying all these layers humor subtle commentary are interactions with pets, it highlights how sometimes we can become so engrossed caring for them that lines between human and animal care may hilariously blow. My wife was annoyed with me for singing Wonderwall all day. She asked me if I could stop. I said maybe. <laughs> the humor in this joke is derived from the clever use of song lyrics to respond to a situation. The song mentioned here, Wonderwall by Oasis, has a well-known line that starts with the word maybe. This sets up an expectation for some sort of regular conversation or complaint about incessant singing. However, when his wife asks him if he could stop singing a Wonderwall, instead of giving her a straightforward answer as we'd anticipate, like a yes or a no, he amusingly quotes the very same song she's tired of hearing, specifically using its iconic lyric maybe as his response. This unexpected musical twist creates laughter because it subverts our initial expectations, rather than complying with her request and stopping his performance, as one might logically expect, he continues referencing it, thereby extending what was supposed to end. Moreover there's situational irony at play, his action seems counterintuitive since continuing any form-related behavior would likely exacerbate annoyance but does so anyway, adding another layer comedic absurdity. Furthermore this quip subtly plays on shared cultural knowledge too, you need know what a Wonderwall and its famous maybe line refer understand punchline making universally relatably at subtly woody those familiar pop culture references. Lastly underlying all these layers humor gentle commentary human interactions, it highlights how sometimes people find ingenious ways circumvent requests while technically still adhering them especially within relationships where such behavior can be seen as endearingly cheeky.
Why can't you trust Excel? They like to spreadsheet about you. <laughs> the humor in this joke comes from a pun using the term spreadsheet. In its original context, an Excel spreadsheet is a digital document used to organize and analyze data. This sets up an expectation for some kind of critique or complaint about Microsoft's popular software. However, within the punchline, spreadsheet is amusingly reinterpreted as gossiping or spreading rumors, specifically as spreading sheets of information about you. This clever play on words creates laughter because instead of discussing data handling, which we initially anticipate, we end up with accusations against Excel for being gossipy, something both unexpected and absurd when attributed to a computer program. Moreover, there's situational irony involved here too. Despite being designed to help manage confidential information efficiently and impersonally, Excel ends up portrayed as if it were capable human-like indiscretions such sharing private details. Additionally, this quip subtly comments on our interactions with technology. It highlights how sometimes we can anthropomorphize even most mundane tools like office software attributing them behaviors characteristics that are inherently human thus adding another layer comedic effect. Finally, underlying all these layers humor gentle social satire. By drawing parallels between spreadsheet usage rumor spreading it pokes fun at modern society's obsession privacy concerns amidst increasing digitization our lives. I always keep a ruler under my pillow. I mean, how else would you know how long you've slept? <laughs> the humor in this joke is based on the pun involving the word long. In its common usage, when we ask how long are we've slept, it refers to duration or amount of time spent sleeping. This sets up an expectation for some kind of method to measure time, like a clock or alarm. However, within the punchline, longer is humorously reinterpreted as physical length, which can be measured using a ruler. This clever twist creates laughter because instead of discussing temporal measurement, as one would logically expect, we end up with an absurd scenario where someone attempts to gauge their sleep duration in inches or centimeters. This unexpected linguistic switch adds element comedic surprise. Imagining someone trying physically measure something inherently temporal paints quite hilariously illogical picture. Moreover, there's situational irony here. Despite being designed accurately, quantified distances rulers are utterly ineffective when it comes measuring something abstract like time. Yet that's exactly what they are used for within context joke. Additionally, this quip subtly comments on our human habits. It highlights how sometimes people might go great lengths, pun intended. Ensure they're getting enough rest, even if methods employed seem ridiculously impractical. Lastly, underlying all these layers, humor, gentle social satire. By drawing parallels between sleep tracking and linear measurement, it pokes fun at modern society's obsession quantifying every aspect, personal health, well-being, despite such metrics often lacking real-world applicability. Four asked five out, but got rejected. Why? Cause it was too squared. The humor in this joke is derived from a pun involving mathematical terms, specifically two squared. In mathematics, squared refers to a number being multiplied by itself. So when we say a two squared, it equals four. However, within the context of this joke, where numbers are personified and engaging in dating scenarios, two squared takes on an entirely different meaning. It's cleverly reinterpreted as someone, in this case number four, being too a square or uncool, which is a colloquial term often used to describe someone as boring or not up to date with trends. This unexpected twist creates laughter because instead of discussing mathematical calculations, which we initially anticipate, we're presented with social dynamics typically seen among humans but hilariously applied to numerical entities. 
Additionally, there's situational irony at play, despite having value greater than both 5 and 2, thus theoretically superior within numeric hierarchy, number 4 still gets rejected due perceived lack coolness. Moreover, absurdity adds another layer comedic effect, imagining numbers exhibiting human-like behaviors such as asking each other out paints quite amusingly bizarre picture. Finally, underlying all these layers, humor subtle critique our societal norms, by attributing concepts popularity rejection onto abstract entities like digits it highlights sometimes arbitrary nature social acceptability even within realm dating. And that wraps up another episode of Dad Jokes Explained. May these jokes inspire your own groan-worthy moments. I'm Graham Class and bye for now. This episode is produced by Classic Studios. See the show notes page for sources and credits. Check out our other podcasts in our network at classicstudios.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.